This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Hiya. Okay, to welcome to the show. It is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPN2, all the great ESPN stations across the country, Sirius XM, 80 in the ESPN app. Vikings Radio Network, Creed, Vikings, Texas Rangers going to the World Series, obviously, of course, just your typical Tuesday in the world of sports. It's a Creed Tuesday here. A Creed Tuesday. <laughs> because it fits with the Vikings. that They're using it, and obviously the Texas Rangers are using it. I guess we're not singing Purdy, Purdy, rocking all night long. No, Our no, guy got all. outplayed last night by Kirk Cousins, who was great. Kirk Cousins was really good last night in that win for Minnesota. The upset win, 22-17. We know that the Niners were shorthanded. No Debo, no Trent Williams. But didn't expect that one, that's for sure. Yeah, a lot of people didn't. And I got to put a dollar in the, the bad take jar because I sent out T's and P's sure. to the Minnesota Vikings players and their fan base. I thought they were going to get demolished, especially with the 49ers angry off of a loss in Cleveland. But, I mean, to my surprise and everybody else's, that was a pretty solid performance on all three phases for the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, the defense came up with back-to-back takeaways on the final 49ers possessions. Then you had Jordan Addison going off. Guys, I thought that was the coming-out party for Jordan Addison. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at the loss, the back-to-back losses, um, after winning 15 straight regular season games, I know everybody's going to focus on the Brock Purdy of it all, and that's a legitimate question. But right now, here today – when we talk about the 49ers championship window, I think that window is this year. With this core of players, mm-hmm. it's this year, and that's it. When you look at the the age of Trent Williams, he's 35 years old, banged up, didn't play last night, problem. George Kittle on the wrong side of 30. Debo Samuel in the last four seasons has only been healthy for a full year once. At some point, the window closes for these teams, and even though Brock Purdy is on that rookie deal, Smalls, I think that this is the year that the 49ers have to get it done. If not, we're going to be talking about them having to retool this thing around Brock Purdy. This has been a really strange year in the NFL. I know that there's ebbs and flows for every team throughout a season. There's injuries. There, you know, you're adjusting to different opponents. You're finding your way. But through week seven, I can't remember not, not knowing about so many teams because we felt so strongly about the San Francisco 49ers, more than any team in the NFL. And after the past two weeks, they've looked like a shadow of the team that we thought was guaranteed to go to the Super Bowl. I don't really know which teams in the NFL outside of the two teams we saw in the Super Bowl last year and the Eagles and the Chiefs that I really feel all that solid about. I still feel solid about the Niners, despite what happened last night. I do. And it was disappointing because I thought maybe, possibly, there was a great moment coming for Brock Purdy. I I really did. I thought when they got the ball back and they were down five points after a missed field goal, I was all ready. Like, my my Twitter fingers were excited. I was ready to do the Purdy rocking all night long at Evco Radio on Twitter there. And it didn't happen. I mean, you get the ball back with 111 left on your own 40-yard line down five. That's an unbelievable opportunity to have that game-winning drive on Monday Night Football. And that did not happen last night for the San Francisco 49ers. And it was disappointing. I was more disappointed last night with them than I was against the Browns. Browns are a great defensive Mm -hmm. team. We know that. We know they were playing, obviously, without Deshaun Watson in that game, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing anymore with them. (laughs) But I I looked at that last night as the first time that I looked at Brock Purdy 
and I was actually disappointed in him. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Brock Purdy was missing his left tackle against a blitz-heavy team. No team blitzed more on passing downs than the Minnesota Vikings since 2006 through the first six games. Like, that that's how aggressive Brian Flores has been. So it's not a surprise that the Vikings front sped up Brock Purdy's clock when he dropped back to pass. That That's not a shock to me. Debo Samuels not being on the field – you could make an argument that that Jawan Jennings interception doesn't happen when he's trying to target him, throws with anticipation. Jennings gets rerouted on his route. He gets disrupted a little bit. DVs get a little physical with him, and that throws off the timing of it. And Brock Purdy's a quarterback that relies on timing and anticipation to hit his deeper shots because of the arm talent that he's working with. So, yeah, I, I, I look at this as more about Brock Purdy being dependent on the really good talent around him. Not to say that he's not a, a, a really good quarterback, but he's dependent on having top-tier talent around him to compete and win at the highest levels of the sport. When you don't have those pieces, he's going to struggle a little bit. We've, we've got enough proof of concept. We've seen it the last two games. Those are being last two losses. And my question about the 49ers is, with all of the injuries and age being a factor, how long can Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch afford to keep this specific core players around Brock Purdy because we're talking about these guys having top-of-the-market contracts, but you're not necessarily getting top-of-the-market production for one reason or another, and the biggest reason has been injury. And and so when you start to look at CMC – we had a fumble last night and he ended up losing. Though a blink injury probably factored into that. When you look at the Debo Samuel injuries and him not being available, Trent Williams and how he impacts that offensive line and their protection overall. George Kittle. Hell, George Kittle got nicked up a little bit last night. Now he came back in the game, but but you're starting to see the picture in terms of why the 49ers need to have urgency to get this thing done this year. I get it. They got a ton of cap space. They also got a ton of contracts they got to address in the 2024 offseason. Mm-hmm. But if you're the Niners, the next next six days, seven days before the deadline, you better go all in. You saw what the Philadelphia Eagles did yesterday in trading for an all-pro safety and Kevin Byer from the Tennessee Titans. The 49ers need to go all in. They need to make a huge swing, similar to what they did last year at the deadline with CMC. They got to do that this year and take advantage of this core of players around Brock Purdy because I think this is the last rodeo for this version of the San Francisco 49ers. And they have the resources to do it, as you guys have pointed out constantly. So I absolutely think that they should go out there and be aggressive. Um, Definitely you feel that sense of urgency with the 49ers. Now, they were talking about this last night. I was reading some of the post-game quotes from some of the guys. Fred Warner was talking about this, about how when the 49ers control games, they're in a good spot. But when it gets to those, as he called it, grimy situations, Situations, they have a hard time getting the job done. And I'm wondering, we were so heavy on Brock Purdy for MVP. We made up a song about him. Are we <laughs> dropping that today, guys? No, not. I mean, he's not going to win the MVP this year. I think that, unfortunately. But I'm not dropping the idea that he could be an MVP candidate by the end of the year, that he could finish in the top five or seven. But last night was one of those nights on Monday Night Football with everyone watching on ESPN that could have been that kind of statement. Because think about it last week. Last week, he drives them downfield to kick a game-winning field goal that they missed. So we can kind of obviously put that on the kicker. Last night, he didn't even give them an opportunity to win. And, you know, as you're talking about this window, CC, it triggered a thought. I forgot we talked about this, but we did. I just quickly searched. We started bringing up the window with the Niners on September 22nd. 
when they were flying, when they were unbelievable. That window conversation was one that we brought up because we realized on our show that this is a, this is a fascinating situation where this guy, Brock Purdy, is only going to make this amount of money for two years, and then you're going to have to pay him. But the second of the two, meaning next year, as CC just brought up, other guys are going to go up. So if we're originally, when we had this conversation, we talked about a two-year window. We're now shrinking it maybe to a one-year window? No, it's not maybe. It is yeah, a one-year sh- window. You're shrinking it to a one-year it, it, window. It's this year. They got to get it done this year. Think about it. We looked at the Dallas Cowboys coming into this year as a team that had to get it done, and there were going to be some major changes. Mike McCarthy might not be there next year. Dak Prescott, with his whole contract negotiation that he's set to go through, he might not be there next year. They had to get it done this year. We've always perceived the 49ers to be a team that has a long runway because you got a quarterback on a rookie deal. But it's not just about the quarterback. It's about all of the pieces around the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And those guys are getting older, and older players don't get healthier. And they've been dealing with attrition. They've been dealing with guys in and out of the lineup for the last couple of years. And so my point is, if you're the 49ers, you need to make a significant move right now to take advantage of this core of players that you've been able to put together. Because if you don't, you're going to have to start breaking it down and retooling on the fly. Now, I'm not saying that San Francisco is poised to go through a rebuild, but I do think it's a situation if they don't win it this year where they take a step back and reset around Brock Purdy being the future of the franchise. What it will look like next year will be vastly different than what it looks like this year if they don't get it done, which is why I think they need to be aggressive over the next week leading up to the trade deadline and get something done. Is there something you're thinking about? Is yeah, there- they need secondary help. Could that not be more obvious with what Jordan Addison did yesterday? People didn't give them a chance in hell because Justin Jefferson was out. And Jordan Addison torched them last night. I mean, he had the situation early where he was hand-fighting. Javarius Ward takes the ball from him, and then he gets his lick back right before halftime. And Steve Wilkes, for some unknown reason, decides to zero blitz the Minnesota Vikings on third and six at midfield. Makes no sense, but Javarius Ward gets the ball ripped out of his hands by Jordan Addison. Addison houses it to take a 16-7 lead. But to me, when you allow a Jordan Addison – a guy that is in his rookie year to go off for the kind of night that he had, seven catches, 123, two tuds, and a long of 60. When that happens, you, 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 it's clear and obvious that you need help on the back end of your defense. They got the defensive front. They got the linebackers. It's a matter of having enough secondary help, having the corners to be able to hold up. I don't think they're there yet. The other side of this, by the way, is the Minnesota side with Addison. You know, Cousins came into this game. Every, the narrative of Kirk Cousins is good when you're not watching him, Bad when you are watching him. And last night, we all were watching him. Primetime game, 3-10 and 10 now, Monday Night Football, I believe, or primetime games in his career. He was excellent last night. And now Minnesota sits there at 3-4. and four. And if we're going to say the Lions have an easy schedule, then we've got to also say the Vikings have an easy schedule because anybody in the NFC North, in essence, has an easy schedule. It's just whether or not we think the Vikings are good. They're on the outside looking in right now of the postseason. I said all offseason and going into this season, they were an easy pick for the under. They're still going to hit an under, but... Dare I say we now bring them into the playoff conversation? Oh, absolutely. And and after watching last night's game and seeing what Jordan Addison is and knowing that they're going to get Justin Jefferson back, the Vikings are going to the playoffs. Right, right now they're the eighth seed in the NFC. And, and, and they have the same amount of wins as the Los Angeles Rams, who are the seventh seed. Looking at their remaining schedule, why can't the Minnesota Vikings – Get to the playoffs. I mean, think about it. What we're saying is I trust the Vikings more than I trust the third-place team in the NFC East, the third-place team in the NFC West, and the second-place team in the NFC South. Is that a high bar to clear? 
I don't think so. And, and Ev just ran through their schedule. But, I mean, you got the Packers, Falcons, Saints, Broncos, Bears, bye week. Then you got the Raiders. I, I mean, why, why can't they get on a roll? Why can't, They've already won three of their last four. Why can't they continue to stay on a roll? Let me apologize to their general manager, Kuefi Adosa Mensa, and let me apologize to their head coach, Kevin O'Connell, because we've been banging the drum since the season started about Kirk Cousins being traded away from the Minnesota Vikings. If you don't want him, if you're not going to re-sign him, then trade him. They were absolutely right for keeping Kirk Cousins on that roster. But you know why? Because they got a chance, a real chance, at making it to the playoffs. When you look at the bottom of the NFC, uh, teams like Washington, teams like the Buccaneers, teams like the L.A. Rams, why can't the Minnesota Vikings get that seventh wild card in the NFC? I'm already saying that the Cowboys and the CX Seahawks are going to wrap up wild cards. Mm-hmm. Why can't the Minnesota Vikings get that third wild card, that seventh spot, in the NFC playoff picture. To me, after looking at week seven and seeing what they've been able to do over the last several weeks, there's no reason why Minnesota can't get that done. You guys can be a part of the Unsportsmanlike Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Give us a call at 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper. The ones fans deserve. You can chime in. Are the Vikings a playoff team? And now, are you worried about the San Francisco 49ers? We're saying maybe the window is closing a little bit more than we realize. CC is putting his money uh, into the It cost me take. $2 today. The Vikings cost me $2. I don't, the Kirk, I don't the think- Kirk Cousins take... And then last night's Monday Night Football take. That's no, $2. $1. How is it $1? Because I don't think you can do that yet with Kirk Cousins. Because we may say by the end of the season that, that we're right about the Kirk Cousins trade. If they don't pull it off, you're assuming that Ev, they're we're saying they have a chance to go to the playoffs. Yeah, and that makes the Kirk That makes the Kirk Cousins take a bad take. 50 cents. <laughs> 50 cents. It's in there. That's what $2, needs $2 to be in there. Coming there. up, the Rangers. Texas Rangers put a smile on a lot of faces last night. We'll get to that next on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Evan Canty and Michelle are Unsportsmanlike. Simeon goes to first, and the Texas Rangers, 90 wins in the regular season, fly cross-country, and their journey will bring them to the World Series for the first time since 2011. Just incredible. This is an unbelievable feeling, what you play for. I was sitting at home for three years, not doing anything but coaching a little bit of t-ball. Here I am in the World <laughs> Series. What, what an honor. The call courtesy of ESPN Radio, Carl Ravitch had it last night as the Texas Rangers are heading to the World Series with their win over the Astros in Game 7, 11-4. 
Just a remarkable. Let's go, Rangers! Let's go, baby! And the voice you heard after that is the voice that I think is as big of a theme as anybody else, and that Paul is. Wall? Well, yeah. Well done. Well done. Bruce Bochy, manager of the Texas Rangers. All of a sudden, this offseason, you hear that the Texas Rangers need a manager, and they hire Bruce Bochy. Reaction from many, including me, was. What do you mean, Bruce Bochy? Like, the same Bruce Bochy that was with the Giants and the Padres? And all these teams, CC's Yankees, decided, hey, we're going to keep our managers or we're going to hire other guys, and we're not going to hire arguably the greatest manager of our lifetime right there with Joe Torre. He has now made a World Series with three different teams, Padres in 98, the three times with the Giants that he won, and now the Texas Rangers. And he's the only manager, Smalls, in baseball history to ever do this. And yet he was just sitting there three years off as he just said, oh, okay, I'll come back to the Rangers. I mean, they, that was a team that lost 20 of 30 at one point during the regular season and had an eight-game uh, losing streak, and they just beat the Astros, the defending champs. They lost 102 games in 2021. I mean, for them to, be in, for them to be in this position, 21, is outrageous. But in looking at that game last night, whether it's Bruce Bochy or Dusty Baker, it's almost like justice for the old-school baseball guys because so many organizations have their manager be an extension of the front office, and they lean on analytics, and the front office has such a hand in making a lot of decisions through the manager. But in having somebody like Bruce, Bruce Bochy, who's such an old-school baseball guy, come in and take this Texas Rangers team to the World Series, and you have Dusty Baker opposite of him in that game last night, maybe a lot of other teams are looking at these guys saying, okay, maybe we should go back down that route, which I think would be very beneficial for baseball. So we just not going to talk about Adelise Garcia and Corey Seager? We not going to talk about them? Oh, the front office did a great job of assembling this team. You know, spending money sometimes does work. And, you know, the Texas Rangers, my greatest baseball moment was in 2011. David Fries, the Cardinals winning the World Series, and the Texas Rangers were on the other end of that heartbreak. And as, as somebody that got that moment, I always felt badly for them because that was a brutal way to lose a World Series. So I'm so thrilled for the Texas Rangers that they're back in this position and that it's a former Cardinal and Adoles Garcia, that's the MVP that's getting them there. He has been absolutely unbelievable. He had two home runs last night, five ribbies, playoffs. So he basically has like the first quarter of a season in the playoffs. He's got seven homers and 20 ribbies. Seager was amazing. But CeCe, honestly, to me, the biggest storyline is Bochi because we've never seen somebody do something like this. And I think about all these other teams I mean, your team is a great example in the Yankees. They want the general manager running the team. Small said it. It's a great point. It's not only these two. Look at Rob Thompson with the Phillies. He's an old school kind of manager. And we've seen the game change in baseball. And yet, look at the teams that are winning. Yeah, I mean, you always want a manager that can feel the heartbeat of the game, right? Right, Especially in the postseason in a short series. But to me, the story of Game 7 in the ALCS has to be the length of the Rangers lineup. I mean, those guys hit for slug. I mean, you're talking about six extra base hits to the Houston Astros four. But more importantly, they were 6-10 to with runners in scoring position. When you got one through nine that's capable of doing damage and then one through nine having approaches that are disciplined and not trying to do too much at the plate and willing to pass the baton to the next guy and having that trust factor from player to player within that lineup, that makes all the difference. And that's why Jess Mendoza said that the Texas Rangers were going to be dangerous this postseason Mm -hmm. because they had to lengthen that lineup. Now, they did have to navigate the pitching situation for Game 7 because Max Scherzer, you know, can't be trusted. There was a short hook. They took him out after, what is it, two and a third? And they ended up giving the ball to Jordan Montgomery on short rest, and he was able to give you two and two-thirds innings pitch and didn't allow any earned runs. So the fact that you can have – 
your best pitchers be ready to go and have that kind of performance like what we saw from Jordan Montgomery, specifically the Abreu at bat, getting him to fly out in the fifth inning. To me, that's impressive, and I think that's what's going to be the difference once this team gets to the World Series, no matter who they play from the uh, from the National League. I think it's a matter of Nathan Evaldi and Jordan Montgomery being the best versions of themselves. If you get that and you get the ball to the back of your bullpen with Chapman and LeClerc, then this is a Rangers team that could actually win the pennant. So the way in which the Astros lost last night, absolute destruction. They knew it was over early. You're in a game seven. Would you rather lose a blowout or would you rather lose in the ninth inning on a walk-off? Oh, blowout. There's no question about it. I I don't want it to be close. Right, I I don't want it to be if a you have to lose. Obviously, if it's if it's going to be a yeah. heartbreaking fashion, as a former player, as as a current fan, I don't want it to be close. Like the the games that I remember the most, Ev, surprisingly, aren't the wins; they're the losses. But it, it's the losses in the final minutes of the game. Like mm-hmm. I talk all the time about the 2014 Baltimore Ravens when we went into New England in the divisional round. We had two. 14-point leads and blew them both because of Bill Belichick exploiting a loophole in the NFL rulebook. Or go back to 2007 when I was with the Dallas Cowboys. Number one seed in the NFC, 13-3, 15 Pro Bowlers. And Patrick Creighton drops a pass at the end of the game that would have kept the drive alive for us to score points and win that game. Giants end up winning the Super Bowl. Look at 2006 with the Dallas Cowboys. In Seattle, Tony Romo bobbles the snap from the yeah, long snapper point. on the go-ahead field goal. Field goal yeah. like, the, like, those are the things that I remember the most. Mm-hmm. More I than winning I, a Super Bowl? More than winning a Super Bowl. I don't want to have that feeling as a player or a fan. I'd rather deal with the long goodbye. At least I know if we're getting blown out, I can start making my off-season plans at halftime. I, I don't want to be in a situation where we actually have a chance, where we actually have hope that we could advance or we could win a championship and have it dashed away. Well, don't worry. The Astros didn't have that yeah. last night. No, no but, they didn't. And by the way, I, feel, right. I have a weird feeling that the Phillies are going to do that to the Diamondbacks tonight. I know that. And I know that. that they're going to blow them out. Well, because the, when the Phillies win, they win early, right? And for some reason, I just think that crowd tonight in a Game Seven. Of course, we'll have all the action on ESPN Radio. Diamondbacks advancing to a Game Seven against the Phillies with their win last night. But I, I, you couldn't see it happening the same way tonight, Smalls. I. I With could, the Phillies doing that? But the Diamondbacks have been really resilient. Yeah, the Diamondbacks the other way. have bounced back all season. I don't know, Evan. That one's going to be a, a tough I don't know if I could see it being a blowout that way. Um, but I'm with CeCe, though. Like, I still remember, I can hear Joe Buck saying Travis Ishikawa in my ears, Cardinals, Giants, game five, 2014, NLCS. Like, when you have that walk off moment, that hurts, I think, harder than an absolute blowout like we no saw question. last night. But with Texas, you know, we we kept saying it. Don't let a team like the Houston Astros open the door even a little bit. Didn't you know, matter, right? But we kept saying because this is a team with the, with championship muscle memory. And they got back in it. And so for the Rangers to put them away in that fashion last night, I think says a lot about the toughness of this team. Yeah, the hitters from the Astros were complaining about the batter's eye at center field. I don't think the Rangers had that same problem, Smalls. No. <laughs> don't the, think the Rangers. Go go out on a limb and say no, the Rangers. The Rangers don't have that same problem. The Astros losing at home is such a weird storyline that doesn't they, make any sense. They've been better on the road all year. Well, well, I know. They've been better on the road all year. I mean, that's the thing. They were forty and forty-six at home this year. Yeah. I mean, no that's team, so odd no team with a losing record at home has ever gone to the World Series, and the Astros just kept that alive. So odd to me yeah. on so many levels because it's not like 
offense the Rays, where there's no fan base that's going well, there. Well, they don't yeah. have the home field advantage that they did in years past. Well, clearly, yeah. yeah they, don't, they, don't have, they don't have the replay cameras. They weren't buzzing like yeah, they were. Exactly, right? exactly. You know what I'm yeah. By the way, Evan, I didn't, know, I didn't know where you were going with that. That's so you, where I was going. Yeah, now I understand. I, I got you there. One more thing to your Bruce Bochy point. Yeah. He's 6-0 and all-time in winner-take-all games. Six and he's never lost a game seven, six and oh, all time in winner take all. I mean, if he wins, we're gonna have the Bochi versus Joe Torrey best manager of our lifetime. We've had the you know, Phil Jackson, Greg Popovich conversation, Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, Mike Tomlin, Pete Carroll, all these guys the last however many years. Bruce Bochi, I don't know what's more impressive doing it with three teams or doing it for as long as Joe Torrey did with one team. But they're both insanely impressive. Justice for the old school baseball guys. Yeah, seriously. 888-SAY-ESPN. Number to jump in on the Dr. Pepper call in line. What's a better way of losing? The blowout in an elimination game or the close game in an elimination game? We'll get your phone calls in on that. Plus, Canty's Power Rankings coming up next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Evan, Canty, and Michelle are Unsportsmanlike. Now that the dust is settled on week seven, it's time for Canty's NFL Power Rankings. This is going to be juicy. I don't know where he's going to go. One, two, three, four, five. I kind of know where the team's maybe in it. But I don't know the order. Same. What do you got? Well, what well do you here, got, here's the deal. I had the power rankings all set and ready to go at halftime, but and I had to, but I had to put subject to change and because of what the score was. An and, then, and then I had to go ahead and remove the San Francisco 49ers from where I had them. They were rated third in my power rankings for week eight until the game went final last night. Ooh. And now I've taken the San Francisco 49ers off the board entirely. Off the what? board. The 49ers are not in the power rankings. They're not a top five team in the They're NFL. They're not a top five team in the NFL. Whoa. No. Can't keep you in the power rankings after having back-to-back losses. I can't wow. do it. So this can't is the, do it. Is this the first time all season they've been out of the top this five? This is the first time they've been out wow. of the top five. Probably it's means a, the it's, Patriots it's a, it's a milestone, are going to be in. It's a milestone moment. Patriots it's a milestone moment. There, no, I, I don't think so. <laughs> Eight ball says doubtful. All right, let's kick this thing off, Javante. Number five. The Detroit Lions, the 3 one third. I had to drop them down a spot from last week because they got blown out in Baltimore. But I think Sunday's game told us more about the Ravens than it did about the Lions. I, I'm easy to, to, to dismiss the, the performance. Listen, they had won four straight games 
uh, going into that game against Baltimore. They had two wins on the road against division leaders at the time in the Tampa Bay Bucks and the Kansas City Chiefs. So I'm not going to sit here and say the Detroit Lions aren't a good football team. Of all the teams in the NFC outside of the Philadelphia Eagles, I have the most confidence in them winning their division. And so the Detroit Lions, I trust the consistency of this team, the game on Sunday notwithstanding. Keep it moving, Javante. Number four. The Jacksonville Jaguars don't look now, but this team has won four games in a row, including three in the last 11 days. And so I think this is a situation where the sports character of a football team is revealed on the road short week. Quarterback banged up against the New Orleans Saints, and their offense, and Trevor Lawrence in particular, has a career day. So I was impressed by the Jacksonville Jaguars being able to navigate, being in London for a couple of weeks, beating the Buffalo Bills, finding a way to beat the New Orleans Saints, even though they had a lead early and blew it. They made the requisite plays that it takes. They've got a championship head coach in Doug Peterson. I trust the trajectory of this team. Next. Number three. The Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson, 393 total yards and four touchdowns to only one turnover. Probably the most complete performance that the offense has had. We know the Baltimore Ravens defense is legit. We're just waiting for the offense to take shape. Of course, the first third of the season, we got to dismiss some of the struggles because it's a brand new offense under Todd Munkin. But it feels like they're starting to get to their midseason form. And that's to be expected because you have one of the most dynamic players in all of football at the most important position in all the team sports in Lamar Jackson. Next. Number two. The Philadelphia Eagles. How could you not be impressed with how they demolished the Miami Dolphins in their building? Coming off of a loss against the New York Jets, I just had a feeling that this team was going to step up in a big way. They played keep away from that Miami Dolphins offense, and when their offense was on the field, I thought the Eagles defense did a good job of taking away the first read for Tua over the middle of the field in between the numbers. They forced him to throw it outside the numbers down the field, and I think that was enough to disrupt the timing of that Miami offense and make it a one-sided affair in the second half. Number one. Number one. The Kansas City Chiefs, it's Andy Reid, it's Pat Mahomes, which understood ain't got to be said. Although I will say the Taylor Swift effect, not only on the NFL, but Travis Kelsey's performances individually, that makes a huge difference. When you go off for 180 yards and a touchdown, pretty damn impressive what Travis Kelsey was able to do on Sunday. The thing that makes me buy into the Chiefs, More is what we see from them on the defensive side of the ball. This is an elite defense. It might be the best defense that Pat Mahomes has ever had the opportunity to play with. And so that's the power rankings. Kansas City Chiefs continue to be top dogs, followed by the Eagles, Ravens, Jaguars, and Lions. Smalls, you are my accountability partner. Any objections, any omissions? I'm, I am shocked that the 49ers are out, but I understand why you did it. Miami out of the mix as well, but coming off a loss, I understand. The thing that I'm looking at, CC, is that I think Jacksonville better take off their shoes and get comfortable. Mm. I think that they – welcome to the party, Jacksonville. I hope you brought a dip. I hope you're comfortable because I think they're going to remain in the top five for quite some time. I think you're right. My son is happy about that. He's 10 years old. He's old enough to pick a team on his own without me influencing him. He's a Jaguars fan. There we go. Oh, he is right. a Jaguars fan right. now at 10 years old. I'm glad we're going to the place we're going to with Kansas City. I think it took us a long time of, let's just put them number one. Let's put Mahomes number one in the power rankings in terms of the MVP, etc. 888-SAY-ESPN, telephone number to join the show. All right, we have the Game 7 loss conversation. Astros get blown out last night. Would you rather get blown out in a Game 7 or a championship game or have a close loss. We all say the blowout is better. Pat, our producer, says, no, give me the close loss all day long. Chris in Boston, listening on Sirius XM 80, joins us on the Dr. Pepper call in line. What's up, Chris? 
Hey, what's going on, guys? Great to be here. Appreciate it. I gotta, I gotta say that I think you guys are thinking of it from a player's point of view. As a fan, you you gotta take that heartbreak. I got, I got, I'm a Tribe fan. Guardians, I guess these days, but '97 Game Seven of the World Series, extra innings loss. 2016 Game Seven of the World Series, extra inning loss. It hurts, man. But that's what makes you a fan, right? That's what makes you a fan. I think the opportunity for your team to win a ball game, to win a championship, anytime you're in the game, no matter the outcome, your team has the possibility to win. And that's why they play the game. That's why you're a fan. It's the same thing of making the playoffs or not making the playoffs and getting blown out in the first round. You make the playoffs, your team has a chance to win the championship. Everybody else is sitting at home watching. Yeah, listen, there's there's an argument there, and that would resemble what Pat says. You know, Pat is an amazing sports fan, loves mm-hmm. his Phillies teams through and through. I look at it as like, okay, I'm a Heat fan. The 2011 NBA Finals, the Mavericks was was close ish. Yeah, it's infuriating. That like I, I I it's awful. I'd rather just be oh they got swept and they weren't in the same they weren't in the same league somehow. How they like JJ Barea is backing down LeBron James or guarding LeBron James like that drives me crazy. I would have rather been blown out, and I, but I think the Uber fan maybe feels that way because they for some reason want the pain. JC in <laughs> Alabama watching or listening on the ESPN app. What's up, JC? Hey, how you doing? Good morning, y'all. Uh, I need to lose. I need to lose by a blowout. Like I can't have that close loss, and then I don't know if I could have like mm-hmm. made a steal late in the game or made a free throw shot. Thank you, JC. Thank you. I can't. I can't live, live just knowing like it was an if or or. I need to know if I'm better than you or you better than me, and I just gotta go work on my game or something. Like I can't do it, Doug. Yeah, JC's making a, JC's making a great point. Yes. Like the gray of it all when it comes to a loss in a close game, that's something that you can't live with. Like it torments th- you. those are exactly to this day. I ain't played football in the NFL since 2015, and I still think about those losses. They haunt my dreams. They're <laughs> nightmares. They haunt them. Like I just that's the thing, man. Like I I'd much rather get blown out and know definitively that I wasn't going to be able to compete and beat the team that I was up against. Like that to me is one of those things as a former player, like I can understand when you get your behind kicked and it's a situation where you're not close from a competitive standpoint with the with the opponent. But when it's close, you think about all the breaks in the game that didn't go your way, oh, all yeah. of the calls that 100%. didn't go your way, the things you could have potentially done better, and it almost makes you feel like you're living with some of the regret of it. Even as a fan, like it's just one of those moments that, that you hold on to and you never forget. Like for me, as a Yankees fan, Game 7 of the ALCS in Houston, CC Sabathia on the mound, we lost that game. Game 6 of the CS in 2019 against the Astros, where Altuve takes Chapman Yard, we lost that like those are the things that I lament. And think about it, we're talking about what? 3 years ago and 5 years ago and I'm still holding on to that. Like I'd much rather get blown out than have that close loss. Do we think it's different though in baseball? Like do we think the Astros are sitting here today and they're saying what could have been because it was a 7 game series. You know what I'm saying? In your scenario it's a one game, hey we get blown out whatever it is. I do wonder if they think differently because it's a game 7 because they got to a game 7 and it's at home and maybe if the pitching matchup was different. They should have well, had, the had the advantage. Their pitching matchup I think right. was pretty good. Right. Right. And here, they know. They know. They can look at the Rangers last night tip the cap. You guys outright beat us. Yeah, but here's the other thing with the Astros. They went to six straight 
CSs. They they won the World Series. Like they know they're gonna be back. <laughs> like this core players ain't going nowhere. So yeah. like I, you could see Jose Altuve. I think it was in the seventh inning. He was kind of laughing, and it's just one of those situations where tonight wasn't their night, and they can understand it. They could dismiss that. But when you have those close losses in winner go home situations in the championship rounds, you never forget the sting of that. I don't know if you just caught what happened on TV. I was just going to say, are we going I, to I saw, acknowledge I saw what happened. We, we, can, we show the, uh, the, the Altuve, Araldis Chapman home run just now. Uh, oh, oh. We're going to show it again. Yeah, they didn't, I mean, they back. didn't need to show it. I, I, I have it vividly, vividly locked into my memory. Sometimes, like, though, you just have to bang the drum and move on, you know? Thanks, or, Smalls. Or, or keep Thanks. it buzzing, that's, whatever. That's yeah. well done. That's well done, Smalls. I'm just saying. Life, presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save it. 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. All right, we're going to get more of your phone calls in. And best way and worst way, I guess, to lose a Game 7 or an elimination game, is it a close game or is it a blowout? 888-SAY-ESPN. Dr. Pepper, call in line. Coming up, we had a big trade in the NFL yesterday that could maybe possibly trigger more trades. We will get to that next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. This is Unsportsmanlike. Eagles adding a much-needed reinforcement for their banged-up secondary. Acquired safety Kevin Byard from the Titans. The Eagles needed some help in a secondary that had had some injuries recently. They're coming off the win last night, and they now add Kevin Byard to the fold to help out moving forward. Now they take such a step up at that position, adding a player that was much like C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who they lost to the Detroit Lions. This is a huge move for a team that needed help at that position. Big trade yesterday in the NFL could maybe cause more trades to happen, which is always a fun thing for us. It is on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Hello, Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. How cool is this? The NBA season begins tonight, which is awesome. We have all of the baseball playoffs heard on ESPN Radio. Of course, we're in full swing. NFL, you saw Monday Night Football last night on ESPN with the Vikings upsetting the Niners. And the NHL Frozen uh, Frenzy is upon us today, which means all 32 teams are in action. 6 p.m. Eastern. What we have on ESPN is an exclusive triple header, which also is simulcast on ESPN+. But here's the catch, and it's a good one. With so many games, you'll be able to watch the Frozen Frenzy highlighted with a live whip-around show, live studio show hosted by John Buchagross and analyst Kevin Weeks, showcasing the best plays, hits, goals, movement of the night, 7 to 8, exclusively ESPN+. And then 8 p.m. to 1.30 a.m. on ESPN2, right here where we are, in ESPN Plus for a combined six and a half hours of unprecedented nonstop NHL coverage. When we had Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the sport, on a couple of weeks ago, people can go back on the ESPN app and listen to that. One of the things he said is he's excited for this 
concept that's coming to ESPN2, ESPN Plus tonight. In essence, a red zone concept for the NHL. So make sure you tune into that. That'll be fun this evening. We Let's may- do that hockey. That's right. Let's do that hockey, Smalls. Let's do it. Smalls, did you adopt a hockey team yet? Oh, did I have a hockey team. I'm from St. Louis. Yeah, okay. St. Louis Blues. She's from St. Louis, but now she's a New Yorker. So I wasn't sure whether she was going to get on the bandwagon do you have a with the Rangers. Team? Let's. Yeah, of course, I had the blue shirts. I'm with the Rangers. Let's I didn't go. know if it was the Islanders. No, no, no. I'm with the Rangers. No, I'm with. I'm with the Rangers. I'm with the Rangers. Now it's interesting in New York. Like if you're a player that that's on. The Giants, you usually go Giants, you're a fan of the Knicks, you're a fan of the Yankees, you're a fan of the Rangers. Mm-hmm. If you're with the Jets, you're a fan of the Nets, you're a fan of the Mets, you're a fan of the Islanders. It's weird how it goes down like that, but sports fandom is split like that in New York City. And when it comes to the players that play on those respective teams, those are the teams that they usually root for. That's interesting. It seems, it's like, very, seems yeah, like pain on both it's, sides. It's like Damian Woody and how he's a big Islanders fan. Yes, that's exactly. right. Exactly. Damian right. Woody's a point. huge Islanders fan. Do you fan. have yeah, a hockey team, Matt? Yeah, I'm going to answer that in a, quite, in a second, but let me just translate. Uh, okay. Whatever team gives these guys free tickets, let's be honest. <laughs> and by these guys, I mean CC and I. Um, whatever team wants to give us free tickets, we're happy about that. Yeah, so I grew up a Rangers fan, but then I moved to Florida and I started rooting for the Panthers a little bit when that was there. And now it's just whoever wins the Stanley Cup. Yeah. That's who I've been rooting for. Yeah, I'd root for whoever wins the Stanley Cup. Um, So Kevin Bayard, all-pro safety, goes from the Titans to the Eagles yesterday. There's two reactions that I have initially had when this happened. Of course the Eagles in the middle of the season get an all-pro safety. Howie Roseman just doing an amazing job of building that team Finding that need, getting better immediately, as CC has suggested the Niners need to do today. Like, just find that need and get better immediately. The other part of it is, hmm, interesting. The Titans head coach is saying we about the Patriots over the weekend and Mike Vrabel. They trade an all-pro safety. What does this mean for the rest of the team? And are the Titans going to start unloading some pieces, and two of which really jump out because they're two players that could end up in the Hall of Fame one day, or one definitely will, Derrick Henry and DeAndre Hopkins came to mind immediately, specifically Henry. Which side's more interesting to you guys on this? The Eagles side adding an all-pro or the Titans side potentially unloading some guys? Well, it's the Eagles side because they're looking at as the favorite in the NFC to go to the Super Bowl, right? I, I don't know how you can look at what happened this past week and what we've seen for the 49ers for the last two weeks and not say the Eagles are a little, a little bit ahead of them, a tick ahead of them. And knowing how many young players that the Eagles have on that team – and the fact that they're going to only get better when it comes to getting more game reps, I just think the Eagles are the team to beat in the NFC, and they added an all-pro safety in Kevin Byard. Now, is he what he was a few years ago? No. But is he better than Terrell Edmonds? Hell yes. And now pairing him with Reed Blankenship, I feel a lot better about the back end of that defense. They already got big play Slay and James Bradbury on the corners. They're fine at that spot. But having somebody on the back end of that defense, the last line of defense, and the the key communicator when it comes to the secondary, making sure you don't have blown coverages and leave guys wide open, I think that's going to be huge in terms of leadership for a, a, a group in that back end. So I, I love the addition of Kevin Byard. I think this makes the Eagles – the prohibitive favorite in the NFC to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I love that they took an area of opportunity, a banged-up secondary, and they fortified it. This is a team that is absolutely saying what happened last year in the Super Bowl is not going to happen again. We're going to get there and we're going to win it. We're going to do everything in our power to make sure that happens. But I think the Tennessee part of this is more intriguing Mm. because while while I – 
think it's amazing what the Eagles did. There's so many ripple effects that could happen on the Tennessee side of this. Like Evan said, is Derrick Henry next? If so, where could he go? What team might want to acquire someone like him? If DeAndre Hopkins moves, that's interesting. Is Mike Vrabel planning on moving from Tennessee? I just think when you look at the potential tentacles from the Tennessee side, it could get really juicy. Yeah, I think that there's there should be more because I don't think any of us believe this team is going anywhere. No. We have been harping on for years individually and months now collectively, Ryan Tannehill, not the guy here. They got to a number one seed a couple of years ago. They had a little bit of a playoff run. They lost the Bengals in a game where Tannehill threw three interceptions. Like, they should be congratulated. You 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 made it further than we thought you should, right? Not congratulated <laughs> on a Super Bowl. But I'm saying you got further, you got deeper into the postseason than we thought you could. Yeah. Now it's time to rebuild here. And I'm going to tell you right now, for me, when I look at Derrick Henry – the number one team that comes to mind is the Buffalo Bills. And I look at the Buffalo Bills and I say, I think that you actually, as crazy as this may sound, you don't have as much of an identity as you think you do. And I think the identity is not a high-flying football team. I think it should be taking advantage of the freezing cold temperatures in Buffalo, being more grimy than you are currently, utilizing your big, strong quarterback in the running game, and getting Derrick Henry to be behind him and to pair with James Cook. I would go out and get Derrick Henry if I'm the Buffalo Bills and be less pass-happy and more run-happy in Buffalo, and use that almost old-school NFC East style in Buffalo. That's where I go mentally with Derrick Henry. Good luck tackling Derrick Henry in the cold weather. I don't want to even imagine that as a defender. That's the point, right? Like That would be absolutely awful. So that's that's a good pick. Um, If I were to propose an alternative, to me it would be the Dallas Cowboys. Like Remember remember what Mike McCarthy said this offseason – I'm not worried about lighting up the scoreboard. I want to run the damn ball so I can rest my defense. Well, the Cowboys try to run the football, and there are only five teams that have fewer broken tackles on run plays than the Dallas Cowboys. I love Tony Pollard, what he brings to the table, but he's more of a fast car, a Ferrari, so to speak. You need a Ford F-150 to be the hammer in that run game, to be the physical identity on the offensive side of the ball. Derrick Henry would provide that for the Dallas Cowboys if you're talking about the Philadelphia Eagles being aggressive and upgrading the team that you're chasing in your division. You got to make a move. Why not go back to the same well they did to the Tennessee Titans and try to pry Derrick Henry from them? I think either one of them makes sense. The difference is Tony Pollard is there, and who knows what they're going to pay him, but who cares? Pollard, Henry would be nasty. We're on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.